So today is uh, February 13, Wednesday, February 13, uh, 2019 is Wednesday, and the message is called Like Father, Like Children. Um, can you put up the first slide? So, so that's what I think about when like father, like son, you know, the same. And I'm going to drill this message all the way down for the entire sermon. Uh, it's uh, so important what, see, for those who, of you that don't know my mezuzah, my mezuzah is to uh, expose lies, reveal truth, and uh, reveal the goodness and love of the Father. And so the Father and the relationship with Him is so ingrained that I just want to share it with the entire world. Amen. Let's go on to uh, Genesis 1, 26-27. See, some of us may think that the Father type of revelation was not in the, in the Tanakh, was not in the Old Testament. So I want to take you to where I can prove to you that it is. It says... Then God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. In his likeness, in his image. What does that mean? See, that word... In the Septuagint, in the Greek uh, manuscript, is the word Achan. See, we'll, we'll just remember that because I'm going to also talk about that word later on. But in his image and likeness, we'll see from Genesis 5.3. That when Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness according to his image. And named him Seth. What does it mean to be made according to his image and likeness? That you are his son. Being a son is made according to his image and his likeness. You look like him. You're made in the same image. We as fathers, we as children, know that we keep many traits from our parents. And we give, it, we give many traits to our children. Well, a good son looks a lot like his father. And I felt... My, my dad is here today. <laughs> what a, what a, say hello, Mr. Rueda. <laughs> um, I was not a very good son. He had many traits that I did not pick up. Okay? He's a ha- very handy man. I'm a wannabe handyman. Um, let's go to Exodus 4:22 to 23. So we've seen that Adam, as his son, then he says to Israel, to Moses, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Wow. What a word to try to convey his love and his relationship to Israel. He could have picked anything. He picked my firstborn, my son. What does a son mean to you? That's what... Israel means to God, that's what you mean to God. Now, Israel, his firstborn. See, the, the whole earth is God's, but his firstborn is his own treasure possession. His children are his own treasure possession. What are you? How do you feel like when you go about it throughout the day? Do you feel like his treasure possession? Or do you feel just like another day being a servant of God? You're not a servant of God. <laughs> you are, but you're much more than that. You're His Son. As His Son, he's called, He calls us to be holy as He is holy. He calls us to be just like He is. There's no difference. See, what I'm going to get to at the end of this message is that you are, should be no different than the Father. And you have to let this settle in. Because as we go through it, I want you to ask this Holy Spirit to convict you 
of where you are not like your father. Where you are not like his begotten son, who is the very image of the father. You have to ask the father, where is it that I am giving the wrong testimony of who you are? So, let's go uh, to Matthew 5, 9. This is, this is the Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I've shared with some of you this that impacted me. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he, Yeshua just lays out uh, the kingdom. He lays out what sons of God do. And he says by the end that anyone who does this is like a wise man that built upon the foundation. When winds came, when the seas came, he was not moved. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. For your own study, it will bless you. It, that's what it means to be on the foundation. Who is Messiah, the rock? Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, this is the first time that Yeshua addresses being a son of God. And he's saying, he picked a specific word. You know that he, talk, he talks about the Beatitudes, but when he, calls, when he goes to the sons of God, he says, the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons of God. What, a, what, a, what is a peacemaker? See, I would like to submit to you that a peacemaker is one that brings God's shalom into every situation. God's order, God's intentions, God's environment, God's likeness into every situation. That's when real peace settles in every place. You cannot just um, make the, the, the problem go away. You have to bring His peace. Okay, in, uh, but where it gets really, really strong is in Matthew 5, 44 to 48. Matthew 5, 44 says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray those for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your, to your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly perfect Father is perfect. You are to be what? Perfect. See, I don't know. I, I, we say that we are to be perfect. But I, I, see, I'm in fellowship with you guys. So I know how many excuses we make for not being perfect like our heavenly perfect father is perfect. I know what goes through our daily lives. And I know that we read this verse and you say, yeah. And then we go on our day and we start making excuse after excuse of why you get mad. Of why this person just cut you off and pissed you off. And that's why you're not going to be perfect as your heavenly perfect father is perfect. That's why you're not going to love your enemies. Because this happens. Because this happened. Come on. I mean, we have to be clear with scriptures. When something hits you, you set it as a stone. That sets who you are as a son, and you're unmovable. Okay? That's, that's just how children of God should behave. We don't make excuses. In my house, what's been going around is no excuses. See? Not because we want to be legalistic, but because when we don't make excuses, we allow ourselves to be changed into the image of the Father. When you start making excuses, you put a blind on your eyes. Then you won't be like your father. You've already denied yourself the privilege of being like your father. Be perfect like your father in heaven, like your father in heaven is perfect. See, so Yeshua did not contradict the Torah. He said uh, when his... Um, when he's uh, telling them that you have heard that it was said uh, in, in various passages in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you have to love your uh, brother and hate your enemy. That's not fine in the Torah. You're not supposed to hate your enemy. You know that? I mean, we're not going to get into the oral love of the Jews at that time, but uh, that's not in the Torah. You're not supposed to hate your enemy. What you're supposed to do is to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. You're supposed to not discriminate the good that you do to others based on the good that they do to you. See, so you're not... The, the scripture doesn't say expect from others what you, would like to, what you would like done unto you. See, scripture says to do unto others what you would like done unto you. 
Expecting is what leads to an offense. You have to do it regardless of anything. You don't discriminate if they do good to you. You do it. Why? Because your father is that way. He reigns upon the wicked and the righteous. So what should you do? Oh no, this person, I don't like him so much. We, we're not even talking about enemies. We're talking about our brothers. Oh, no, uh, uh, you know, uh, he's got some kind of weird theology. <laughs> I'm not talking about me. So, <laughs> he's got some kind of, um, you know, the way he evangelizes. Or maybe, um, you know yourselves, okay? You, we bond. We should bond over the kingdom, but we tend to bond up. Over, you know, petty things. Oh, yeah, he likes cigars. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, he likes, uh, we, we like drinking and having a good time and fellowshipping like this. So we bond around these things and we don't bond, bond around the kingdom. Oh my gosh. You know, um, there's a guy at work. Ruben is here. He's a friend from work. Say hi to Ruben. Ruben. I've known Ruben for a while, but I just met yesterday a guy that is spirit-filled at work. And it was like I had known him forever. <laughs> we bonded over the kingdom. I don't know anything about his life. All I know is that he's spirit-filled. He speaks the word. He has the light of God in him. And we bonded right away. Okay? And that's exactly what the kingdom is like. I, don't bond, I, like, I like soccer. I don't bond over soccer. But the kingdom is all above that. All above that. Okay, so that would allow you to love regardless of what they're doing to you. If you get offended, you've already violated Yeshua's law. If you're not loving your enemies because somebody offended you, you're already violating his law. If you're thinking just not like he thinks in pure love, you're already violating his law. You're not being like your father. Let's go to 1 John 3, 9 to 10. No one who is born of God practices sin. Because his seed, God's seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious or manifest. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. See, by your works, by what you do, you manifest who your father is. If God is your father, your righteous works manifest who you are and who your father is. If you do the opposite... You manifest that you may be a child of the devil. And that you may be a son of the devil. See, when, when we think about loving our brother, we, we, that, we, we take it easy. Because, oh yeah, my brother I can love, right? But then when Yeshua is explaining the love loving your neighbor as yourself, he talks about a good Samaritan, right? And that good Samaritan, did he know the person that was on the road? Actually, the person that was in the road was a person coming from Jerusalem. It might be a good, a good assumption to think that he was a Jew, all right? Samaritans and Jews were pretty much enemies, okay? But he goes and does beyond and above. And that's how he explains loving your neighbor. Without knowing the person, without expecting if, oh, what are you going to do with the money I give you? Oh, what are you going to do with... No, he, he, it's like selfless love. Now that's, that's the heart of a father. That's the heart of a good father. It may sound too good to be true. But it is. And that's, that's what wrecks me the most. That it, it, when I first got to know the father, it seemed like a fairy tale. It's like, I cannot believe that these stories were true. Uh, it, he is that good. Uh, let's go to Joel 2 verse 12. How many of you know that God doesn't change? 
Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping and mourning. Keep going. And rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Who is your Father? Are you gracious and compassionate? Slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. And as we know from Yeshua, these are the, the actions, but what's in your heart that leads to the actions is what you are judged by. If you've already done something, if you've already thought about something, you've already done it in your heart, right? See, the, the one thing that I don't want to do today is to lay... Uh, some kind of uh, burden of performance anxiety. See, that's how I, I, I started with the Father, being very religious, knowing that I needed to do good and not being filled with Him. So what you end up doing is, like a servant trying to do something for your Father, like a servant operating out of a self sense of lack, sense of insecurity, sense of, uh, I need to pay my Father back. See? But when you operate as a son... You are led by Him. You do what He does. You see what He does. You move with Him. You are one with Him. See, when, and when you do that, you operate out of, out of sense of security, out of sonship, out of, uh, complete, of, out of completeness. You are one with Him. You, you, you have it all. You, you are one with Him. Do you understand what that means? One with God. <laughs> Not like He's there, I'm here. No, one with Him. Uh, that's... Uh, that's, that's where we're heading. The works, what you do, they do testify of who you are, but they're not the focus. They're the result of you being one with the Father, of who you are. They testify of who you are. So let's, uh, let's go to the second slide that I had up there. So... Let's read them real quickly. John 5.36 says, But I have a greater witness than that of Johanan, of John, for the works that the Father gave me to accomplish, the works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. See, the works that you do bear witness of who you are and that you have been sent. Abraham is our father, the answer. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. John 10, 25 says, Yeshua answered them, I have told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness concerning me. See, Yeshua's teaching is very clear. He is a son, and his works, what he does, testifies of who he is, of who his Father is, and the fact that he was sent. See, if, if you're looking to, um, to be sent, don't. don't, don't uh, he'll send you. At the right time, He'll send you. But see that if He hasn't given you those works, then what are you going to do? You may end up like Moses, spending 40 years in boot camp. I'd rather spend 40 days like Yeshua. See, you may end up wasting all your time, all your effort because of your insecurity of wanting to do something for the Father instead of the works that the Father gave you to do at the season that He gave you to do them. Whatever you do, it'll witness of who you are. See, you don't have to try. As a matter of you try, you look ridiculous. So, at best, just be honest. And do the works that testify of who you are. See, I'm leading. I'm leading to the point that I want you to do good works. But... They don't come out of a trying. They don't come out of uh, just thinking that you're, you're going you're gonna to put this mindset on yourself of, I'm going to be good. You have to be more real than that. You have to be a new creation. You have to be transformed. You cannot do what you want to do, okay? Because the evil that you want to do, you don't want to do, you end up doing. See, it's, it's, it's simple. Revelation 14.13 says that, 
And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Even to the point that we're talking here in Revelation, your deeds follow who you are. They testify, they witness of who you are. It doesn't stop. How important it is to have proper alignment and deeds, a true relationship with the Father. They will follow you. If you're honest, you, li- you could live in the life to the fullness that, God, that Yeshua promised. Not by trying, but by being who you are. Because He's transformed you. So there's nothing more innate to you than to be like your Father. See? That's, that is freedom. See? If He sets you free, He doesn't set you free to be like a pressure cooker, almost always ready to explode, but not exploding. I'm going to sin, and I'm just going to hold myself so close to the sin. I, I, I don't want to do it, but I'm so close to doing it. Come on. Is that freedom? No. <laughs> you have to be like your father. And you don't try to be like your father. You become like your father. You're transformed like your father. Yeah. Let's go to the third slide. So we've seen that they testify, your words testify on sonship. John 10, 29 and 30 says, My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I am the father, I and, the, and my father are one. See, we tend to put Jesus in this category where he is truly one with the father. And it's true, he is one with the father. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, Yeshua answered them, it is, not, is it not written in your Torah? I said, you are Elohim. If he called them Elohim to whom the word of Elohim came, and, that, and it is impossible for the scripture to be broken, do you say of him whom the Father set apart and sent into this world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of Elohim? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you know and believe that the Father is in me and I in Him. What's, see, I've labeled one and two. There's two things that your works testify something of you. That you are the Son of God and that the Father is in you and you in Him. Of course, this is applying to Yeshua and I'm going to get to the point where you don't make excuses for you not being in Him and Him not being in you. Because you are called to be like your Master. You're not called to look to your master and say, you're up there and I'm here. I'm never going to be able to be like you because I'm sinful and you're holy. You know, what I, we want to get, we need to get rid of our excuses. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. The father is, see, you have access to the throne of God making excuses. How, how, how is it that possible? If the word is true, you have access to the throne of God. You have access to see Him, to, to receive Him, to experience Him. How do we make excuses for not being like Him? So what do, what do the people say? Um, oh, sorry, let me, let's go to... <clears throat> so when, when people look at you, what do, they, what do they say about you? See, when Jesus uh, asked Peter, who do men say that I am? He, had a, he was making a point. Okay? Who do men say that you are? See, I don't, today I want you to not separate yourself from the life of Yeshua. He is your master, you to be like him. What do people say that you are? When you are at work, when, when your parents talk to you, when your children see you, when you have uh, an awesome fight with your wife, when, when, when life happens, who do people say that you are? See, we make. I'm gonna get to something very awesome, holy, spiritual, and all this is. I'm gonna get to the to the part that I wanna get. But when life happens, who do men say that you are? 
You cannot, they cannot lie, they don't lie. See, your works manifest who you are. Don't lie to yourself. Matthew 5, 6, it says, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Your works will glorify someone, and if it glorifies you, your witness is not true. That's what Yeshua says. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. If it glorifies the devil, where you're in bad shape, who, does, who do your works glorify? And so when we get to works, are they the works? Yeah, the works of righteousness. How about miracle signs and wonders? How about raising the dead and casting out demons? How about healing the sick? See, we don't make excuses for them. When we pray for somebody and the person doesn't get healed... You prayed for immediate healing, and it doesn't happen. You cannot say that it wasn't the will of God, otherwise you didn't hear God. Did you hear Him, or did you not? And if you did, then you prayed for Him. And if the person doesn't get healed, then who do you blame? You ought to blame yourself. I ought to blame myself. He always blamed, he blamed the disciples when they weren't able to do what He told them to do. He blamed them for their lack of faith. Because they were not like his master, like their master. Today, let's stop making excuses. Let's stop it. Because we're not looking like our father. I wanted to heal somebody, but the person did not get healed. Who do I seek? I seek the father. I ask, Father, please help my faith. Because I wanted to manifest your kingdom. But there's something in me that's still not looking like you. There's something in me that is not, I'm still not able to manifest you to the fullness of who you are. The way Yeshua manifested the Father to the fullness. Because He was the perfect representation of who the Father is. And you have no excuses for not being the perfect representation of the Father. Our body, when somebody comes into our body, they should feel heaven. When somebody comes into your house, they should feel heaven. They should be impacted by the shalom that's in your house. By the words that you speak. By how you look. By, by everything that you do. The kingdom of God needs to rest upon yourself and upon your house. Before you ask other people to follow you. John 17.4 says, I have glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that wish you gave me to do. See, this is not about trying. This is not about starting. This is not about wanting to do it. This is not about talking about it. We are the house of God. We are the children of God. We are the ones meant to accomplish His work. Who else is going to accomplish His work if not you? When He told Adam to do this, He had a specific assignment. He had to do this. When He's telling you, when He's giving works for you to do, what is your excuse? You have works to do. You have to manifest your Father. And thereby, thereby you will glorify who, you, who your Father is. There's no... See, when the, Jesus tells the Pharisees that they seek glory from one another and not seek the glory of the Father. In doing works out of a servant attitude, you may tend to seek the glory from your peers. But when you do works out of a son attitude... You always seek the glory of the Father. It's, it's innate in you. See, when, when all we think about is do, doing the will of the Father, doing what He does, saying what He says, and bringing glory to Him, I can bet you, if we all unite in that purpose and in that sense, if that's who we are, each of us individually and as a body, then the gates of hell will not sin against us. That's, that's just clear truth. Let's go to the fourth slide. So Colossians 1.15 says that He, Yeshua, is the image, the icon of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Paul is saying this about Yeshua. And we know that, I told you that icon was the same word that was used about Adam, about man when God created him. 
That's the same word, Yeshua, is the image of the invisible God. It's actually also the word used whenever they say, uh, uh, Jesus tells uh, his disciples about what's the image inscribed on, on the coin. And they say, Caesar's. You are his image. In 1 Corinthians 11:1 1 says, Paul says, Become imitators of me, as I also am of Messiah. See, Paul is getting to a point where he's so into the Father, so deep uh, representing the Father that he can tell other people to do it as he does. Just like Yeshua says. Become imitators of me. And so some of, some of us may say, well, you know, the, the chain of imitation gets corrupted, right? Be, be, imitate me, imitate me. Then he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. As beloved children, we are to imitate our Father. This is the foundational truth of being a son of God. You have no excuses for wherever your father is good. And Yeshua said, only my father is good. What does that make you? If, if you're not like your father, then, yeah, you're not in that camp. You're not good like your father is. You're not being an imitator of who he is. Romans 8, 29 says, Because those whom he knew beforehand, he also ordained beforehand to be conformed to the likeness, the Achan of his son, for him to be the firstborn among many brothers. See, Yeshua is the firstborn, not the only born. We're meant to be brothers that conform to the same image. And Yeshua is not left alone interceding for us. Yeshua is not left alone being the firstborn. Yeah, he's the firstborn. He's the firstborn. Yeah, I know that. But you are meant to be just like him. And you're meant to be just as powerful as him. You're meant to be, follow his steps. And a master is just, and a disciple is just like his master. Just like his master. Please let this settle on your heart because... We say amen so many times and then go and make excuses at home. See, when our children look at us and we have an argument, we have, do we tend to make excuses? When, when, when your husband is not, it's a little lost, not completely following the lead of the Spirit, do you wives <laughs> act like your father? See, it's, uh, it's out of a sonship relationship that you're able to submit to your head. Otherwise, you're like an insecure servant trying to uh, gain from every situation. It is out of a son-father relationship that you're able to accomplish what he tells you to do. There's no other way to do it. You'll be an insecure servant everywhere you go, telling people that you love the father and not being like him. See, Paul got it. Let's go to the next slide. And this is where it starts getting really good. And we all, as with an unveiled face, we see as in a mirror the glory of God, of, Ye- of Jehovah. That word is glory. And being transformed into the same likeness, Achan, from glory to glory, as from Jehovah, the Spirit. See, that chapter, 2 Corinthians 3, tells us that if the covenant... If the administration, the ministry of the Torah engraved in stones was glorious, and it was glorious, because for 40 days and 40 nights, the first time, Moses was in the midst of the glory of God. The second time, another 40 days and 40 nights, the Israelites could not withstand how God was speaking, could not withstand the power with, with which he was coming. And he says, his summary is that this Age, this covenant era is much more glorious. And he says that with an unveiled face, as opposed to how the Israelites saw Moses, we see us in a mirror, not yet, not completely, not, not full face to face, as in a mirror, the glory of God. And this is what leads us to be transformed. See, you're not transformed by trying. You're not transformed by pressuring yourself. You're not transformed by just putting a bunch of burdens on yourself. That'd be like what the Pharisees asked the, the Jews to do. They wouldn't lift up a finger to help them. But when you have face-to-face encounters with the glory of God, you are transformed into His image. You are transformed. This is what we're looking at to behave like children of God. We're not looking for ritualistic things to do to become more like Him. We're looking to have encounters with Him. We're looking to see Him, to 
be in prayer with Him, to be one with Him, to be full of His Spirit, to walk in the fullness of who He is. We're seeking a true spiritual relationship, being one with the Father and having that encounter with Him. See, anybody in the Bible that did something great for the Father had encounters with Him. When God called Abraham, He spoke to him. Okay? When He talked to Moses, He spoke to him. How many of you had a you know, burning bush? He had spiritual encounters with every great person in the Bible. Why are we not seeking those things that will settle in our hearts who we are? See, when we have spiritual encounters with Him, when we know our Father, when He appears to you, when you were seeking Him and He responds, it settles something in your heart that your Father listens to you. That your Father comes to your rescue. That your Father really loves you. And when that happens, you are transformed. You were beholding who your father is. You're being transformed into his image. Let's go to uh, Colossians, um, Colossians 3.10. See, the calling is for now. You are now being called to be like your father. Not later, not tomorrow, not when you die. Now. Because if you don't do the works now... Because you don't, if you don't manifest your father now, then you, have, you didn't bring him glory at all. And the works that you did or did not do followed you all the way up to your grave. You, we have to walk manifesting who the father is. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one that created him. You, when you are... Uh, a new creation, you are conformed into the image of the one that created you. Not to anything else. To the image of the one that created you. And if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. The old things have passed away and the new things have come. See, Paul makes this a done deal. You are a new creation. You are now manifesting new works. The old things have passed. Stop manifesting who you were before. See, you're manifesting a lie. You're manifesting who your father should not be. We have to manifest and give the glory to the Father. And you don't give the glory to the Father by, Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. Everywhere we go, praise the Lord. Let me see your works and I'll see if you're praising the Lord. Let me see how you speak. Let me see what you do. Let me see your eyes and I'll, I'll know if you're praising the Lord. Of course, the ultimate goal, and this is not what I'm preaching on, 1 Corinthians 15.45, the ultimate goal, it starts right now. 15, 1 Corinthians 15.45, it says, So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a living spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, now, or we also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. See you, this is the final point at which we truly become like Him. Yeah, this is it. But it starts right now. And just because you don't have the power to make your body glorified doesn't mean that you don't become like Him. You are already like Him. And the last step is God's. That's in His mercy. See? But right now is when He's giving you the chance to encounter Him. And He's giving you the privilege to come before His throne. He's giving you everything that you want and have to be like Him. See, it's up to you to hunger. Because then you shall be filled. It's up to you to seek Him. Nobody will seek Him for you. Nobody will make you like God. You seek Him in your hunger for Him and you become like Him. So let's do a quickly a, a quick reality check. I call this reality check because it impacted, it impacted me where I was seeing things in my life that were not matching uh, with who the Father is. If we go to Matthew 5.21, he says that, you have heard that he said, you shall not murder. Okay? But he actually makes a point that you cannot call your brother a fool. You cannot even be angry at your brother. You cannot be angry at your brother. 
And if something, somebody has something against you, you have to be reconciled before you even come to worship. Not if you have something against your brother. If somebody has something against you. I mean, let this settle a little bit. Is somebody offended at you and you know? Did something that you do, although you thought it was righteous, although, although you thought it was good, but it settled an offense on your brother and you have not brought shalom into that area of his life? Go do it before you even come to worship. Go do it before the worship starts. If you're waiting for others to apologize to you, you've already felt this. I mean, come on. Are you just waiting because oh, I did not, I did not feel in that regard. You know, it, it was his fault. Are you waiting for apologies? That's not like your father. Let's go to Matthew five twenty-seven. You know that you shall not commit adultery, right? I hope you do. But have you ever coveted somebody that was not your wife? Somebody that was not your spouse? And I don't mean like, oh yeah, I was crazy mad in love. Have you ever looked at a person for longer than you should have looked at her or him? Because in that, at that point in time, you're already covering something that is not yours. And you're disregarding what has been given to you. At that point in time, you're telling your father, oh, let me indulge myself, my eyes, in this uh, sinful pleasure that I will never realize while I'm not like you. While in my heart, is that you start building the pressure cooker that I'm talking about. You start building it, little by little. Yeah, one step. Yeah, I just looked. I'm telling you, this, it, it's your heart testifying of who your father is. Your heart and your actions align, and you cannot hide it. You will not be able to hide it. You delight in the word, you delight in who the father is, you become like him. You delight in sinful pleasures, <laughs> sooner or later you'll become one of them. Of course, it doesn't apply just to women, to, to your spouse, it applies to everything in your life. And it really testifies of if you feel like a son of God. If you ever testify, if you ever covet another, another one's calling, another one's possessions... Another one's anything. Who is your father? Are you, are, you, are you secure? See, when I come, my dad is here. When I come into his house, I open the fridge and I get whatever I want, you know. I'm not, I'm, I don't have this uh, shyness about it. I know he's my father. His possessions are yours. What he gives you is yours. How about you be grateful about it? How about you be grateful about the seasons that he's put you in? It will give much more glory than wanting to do something for the Father that He hasn't appointed for you yet. Every day, every day of your life, you're making a decision of whether or not you're going to glorify your Father by your thoughts, by your feelings, by the small looks, by your words. And if you don't come before the face of the Father, if you don't come before His glory and be transformed, you're going to testify somebody that's not Him. If you're in the habit of lying, stop it. You know, like small lie, big lie, stop it. It bears such a bad witness. You, it looks so dumb. You look so ridiculous. When you say something that's not true, when you see you're fearing men rather than God, you're you're. You're seeking men's glory. You're seeking your comfort zone. You're really uh, showing that you don't trust your father. Everything that comes from a lie is, is wicked. You think that is small, but it really just shows what's in your heart. A lie. Who is your father? The father of lies? You know, a small lie, a big lie. He, he can lie. Your father is the father of truth. He's the father of light. Everything comes into the open. See, even when you hide something, you're being like your father of lies. When you hide something, you're not being truthful. When you hide something, you're not, being, you're not exposing who you are to the light. 
when you expose it to the light, there's freedom in this house. There's freedom in your life. You are transformed into who he is. You're giving yourself the privilege of being like him because there's no excuses, because the blindfold is taken away. How about, how are you praying? Do you pray more emotional, more led by the Spirit, more powerfully when you're around people? How about in your closet? Do you play, pray like a sissy in your closet? But here you become a lion? I mean, that's... He says, pray to your Father in heaven who is in the secret place. And that's where you pray. When we come over here, it's awesome. We represent who He is. But if there's a discrepancy between who you are in your secret place and who you are here, then you have to really search your heart about it. We are to be lions everywhere. And there's a place for the quiet and the, and the, and the, and, and the, not in the soft prayer. There's a place for everything. But if every time you pray, you're like a lion, you're letting us know that you're truly not like a lion, but you want to show up like a lion. Please tell me where you're laying up your treasures, where you're putting up your money. Are you being rich toward God or are you being rich towards yourself? Where are you laying your money? Is your money going on to your pleasures? Is your money going towards the things that are God? Or is are your works what God gave you to do? And therefore you follow Him and you place your money where He tells you to put your money. Are you laying up treasures in heaven where they do not corrupt? Or here on earth? Everything corrupts it. See, that will tell of where your heart is. That will tell of who you are. And that will tell of who your father is. Let's go to Leviticus 19.15. You shall not do injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. Keep going. So you shall not go about as a slanderer among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but shall not incur in sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. God doesn't change. God is love. And those who know, know Him are love. God doesn't change. You see, we, we're in a very strong congregation. And love cannot, cannot be lacking in, a, in, in this congregation. We're in, in a congregation made of bearded men. And that doesn't mean that love ha- can be lacking. If you have everything, prophecy, all the gifts that you want, but you do not have love, you have nothing. Because God is love. And you're not like your father if you're not love. See, this word is heavy for me. You may be saying he's not loving all the time. Yes, absolutely. That's why I'm preaching it. Because it's heavy for me. Because you are to be like your father. And I've realized that many times I have not manifested who my father is. And that's the point where I want you to, bring, to come today. If you have not been manifested who your father is, then you have to grip your heart. You have to grip your heart and, and do not lie to yourself, but come before him and tell him, ask him, pray to him, beg him to make him like you because you do not want to be a double-minded hypocrite that says that he is a son of God, but does not look like him, does not sound like him. So Yeshua says that his food is to do the will of the Father. Is your food to read about the will of the Father or to do the will of the Father? See, we're very scholarly people. We get into it. Sometimes it brings division because of how deeply we get into it. Your, the will of the Father is that his word becomes your bread. 
That's what you eat. That's what you do. It's not what you eat because you read it. It's what you eat because you do it. My bread is to do the will of the Father. My bread is not to read about the will of the Father. Yeshua says that His teaching is not His, but of the one that sent Him. Is your teaching yours? Have you perfected it to the point that you say, this is my Father's teaching? If not, don't teach it. Yeshua states that He always does what pleases the Father. And that's why the Father hasn't left Him. He didn't say partly. He didn't say when He felt good. He didn't say when He woke up without being tired, when He didn't sleep well. No, He, He always... Always did what pleases the Father. And that guaranteed him continuous support from him. Because he is in him and the Father is in him. They are one. They are not separate from each other. He always does what the Father does. He is in the Father. There's no separation between God and us. When we come into the church, we're, what's different about the church is that we're among brothers. That The presence of God does not change because he's in you. You have to take the presence. Where do you take it? Come on, you have to get into everywhere. Politics, education, everywhere. Go manifest His presence. His will was that we would rule the world. Not that we would rule the church. Okay? That we would rule the world. Everywhere you go, you manifest who the Father is. That's bringing glory to Him. That's being a son. Yeshua states that He did not speak His own, but the words that the Father gave Him to speak. How about you? See, every idle word... I've, I've said idle words. And unless you come to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm not going to say another idle word. I'm not going to say a faithless word. But I'm going to speak what I hear my father saying. Then you won't do it. You'll keep making excuses for why you talk like that. It's not a, see, this is not religious. This is being like your father. I'm not... I hope you understand I'm not setting a burden on you. I'm setting the goal for you. This is not a burden. This is the goal. Being like your father. Yeshua says that he who has seen him has seen the father. Yeshua said all these things because he was his son. Not because he was God. But because he was his son. He said... That because He is His Son, He does all these things. Because He is His Son, he, His works testify of Him. You are His Son. He is the firstborn among many children. Don't make excuses to say that, oh, because He is God, He did this. He, first and foremost, manifested to each one of the people that He talked about, He talked to as the Son of God. And then you are His brothers. His brothers. He's not alone. He's, you're His brothers. See, let's go to John 13, 3. It says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come forth from God and was going back to God. Uh, keep going. got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking his towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which, with which he was girded. Let's go to verse 14. I'm going to stop right here. He, said, he got up. He didn't wait for anyone to come to him. He got up. And to his disciples, he went and served them. He got up, took water, and washed the disciples' feet. And then he says, If then I, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave an example to you that you also should do as I did to you. Keep going. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is, any, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. See, if, you, if Yeshua, being Lord and Master, 
He got up. He did not wait for anybody to come to him. Got up, girded himself, put on this towel, and started washing his brother's feet. What excuse do we have? If Yeshua, uh, maybe, maybe we're just waiting and wanting to wash uh, feet that are not so dirty, right? Because sometimes that's what happens. We hang around those who have cleaner feet. How do you... How, uh, see, there are broken people coming to our congregation just like many times we've been broken. And we decide to wash the feet of those who don't need a washing. He tells Peter, hey, you have been washed by the word. I only need to wash your feet right now. Right? We are continuously being washed in the word. How about you look for the one that the Father has placed before you? Not the one that you like the most, not your peer, not everyone, not, not the one that you always fellowship with. How about you pick the one that the Father is highlighting to you because he has dirty feet? Because you have to go wash him. Because he is your brother. Whether you like him or not. Whether he is whatever. He is your brother. He's highlighting it for you. And those are the works of the Father for you to do. At that precise moment in time. How important is it that we hear the voice of God? How important is it that we're open and always able to hear him speak? How important is it that we're not just walking in our own mind, in our own strength, in our own wisdom, but we're always being one with him? How important is it for, to fulfill his call? It's everything. You cannot be what he's calling to you to be without being one with him. And that means always, always being one with him. See, if we, if we do not love the least of these, why do you call yourself a disciple of the one that loved the least of these? The one that loved me, the one that loved you. If we're not compassionate enough to just be always, always looking for the one that he's highlighting, always, beyond, before your own pleasures, before your own fellowship, before everything, always looking to do the will of the Father for the one that's broken and the one that He's highlighting to you, then that will be more like your Father because you're being open to His revelation and to, for Him to speak to you. Isaiah 11.4 gives us an idea of how Yeshua judges. But with righteousness He will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. See, we can stop there. His judgment is towards, with righteousness, towards the poor. He does not look at the outer appearance. He looks at the heart. We know that. What are we looking at? What are we being led by? We have to be looking how the Father judges. We have to be judging like He judges. Everything about Him is true, and we're being called to be just like Him. See, the reason why this, this, this message pierced me is because, because about six years ago, when I uh, had an existential crisis, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was here for. I didn't know who my father was. See, if I was just going to live my life and raise children, have a wife, have a job, die like the rest of the earth, I, I could have killed myself right there. See? Then everything is meaningless. See, if I'm just going to be what everybody is, if, without knowing why I do it, if without knowing the one that created me for this, then, then what's the point? Yeah. Then what about now? See, that was six years ago. I was, he, by His grace, by His grace, He gave me so much hunger. I would be night and day praying for His presence. I would be night and day seeking who He is. I wanted Him. I wanted Him only. I wanted Him to be manifested into my, into my life. I wanted to know that this fairy tale was life. That the fairy tale of God being a good father to children was life. 
I wanted to know that if I call upon him, he would actually respond. See, I, I was so hungry. I was so hungry. But that was six years ago. When I was seeking his face without knowing that, what that meant, he actually showed me his face. See, I'm not saying this to brag. He gave me his hunger. He showed me his face. Yeshua showed me his face. When I saw him, he responded. When I saw him, he actually came to my rescue. But what about now? The encounters with him, living in his presence, should not stop. Otherwise, you stop manifesting who he is. If you, if you, if you don't know him face to face, there's no way for you to manifest who he is. You cannot get enough Bible to, to put what the word says in you. You have to be transformed. You have to be transformed. If you're not transformed right now, you have to be transformed. And you have to seek the Father until you are like the Father. There's no way around it. Do you understand? We have no excuses to go around in our lives and not manifesting who He is and say to the world that you're a Christian, that you follow Messiah. When this world is lost in wickedness, when you cannot tell right from wrong, when you cannot judge rightly, when you cannot tell the person who is in sin that he's in sin and offer his, the Father's compassionate forgiveness, but you judge by the outward appearance, you cannot say that you're like your Father. You have to seek Him and be transformed. This is not a burden for you. I'm calling out for you to be hungry. Because when you and I unite, when you and I unite, because we are one in Him and He is one in us, not because we have different interests, but because you are one with God, then we will all be one as one body. And anyone that comes in here will know that the Father resides in this place. Everywhere you go, you will be manifesting who your Father is. You'll be bringing glory to Him. And if that's not your heart, then search your heart. If your heart is not to always, 100% of the time, every second of your life, to bring glory to Him, then what is it? Who is your God? Who are you, who are you bringing glory to? If He's not Him, then who is it? Manifest Him. Seek Him. He will answer. He kept answering me, but this is not about me. He will answer. He will manifest Himself to you. He will have that encounter with you. He will wreck your life from that point on. He will make you a new creation. He will completely throw the old away. You will be a new creation. You will not be thinking the old things because you have made, made, been made new. This is our Father. And that's what's available for all of us. I pray that you... That with this word, it, en it encourages you to, to lay everything aside. To completely lay everything aside. Say, Father, I want to be like you. Ask forgiveness for not manifesting who he is. Ask forgiveness for not being hungry for who he is. Lay aside the excuses. At work, in your house, in your bed, in your closet, everywhere, everywhere you are. You have to manifest who He is. You have to. You have to. Brothers, I love you. And the reason why I stayed in this congregation is because I saw that the Father had something for us. Because I saw hungry people. Do not stop being hungry. Seek Him like He's your life. He's everything we've got. You have whatever, how many years you have in this, in this world... That's the amount of time that you have to manifest His works. That's the amount of time that you have to get to know Him. If you don't get to know Him now, then you will not. If you did not lay everything aside to know Him now, you will not know Him any, anyway. You have to lay everything aside. Lay everything aside. I bet you this is the call for you from God right now. Because I feel strongly in my heart. Because He has wrecked me. That we have to lay everything aside. for To be transformed into His likeness. And to manifest signs and wonders. To manifest His righteousness. Peace and justice which is His kingdom. To manifest everything that He is. Saints, let's stand to our feet. I think what you guys have clearly heard from Carlos's heart is his mezuzah.
and his heart to return to the Father is the same desire he wants you for you, for you to return to the Father. And the clear call of action he has made for every single one of us is to come down to this altar and to lay aside excuses, lay aside obstacles that stand in between you and being made in the perfect image of your Father. All fear be moved aside. All insecurity be moved aside. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, therefore hunger and thirst for transformation. I'd like for Carlos to continue by closing us in prayer. We're going to worship. We're going to, have to, we're going to go after the Father's heart, asking His power to transform us. Asking His power to wash us, to cleanse us. Asking His perfect blood to make us completely in the likeness of His Son. Pray for us, Carlos. Father of glory, this is your body, this is your children, this is your people. Father, I ask that your indwelling presence will come over us. I ask that every excuse would be laid aside. I ask that you would answer our prayers as we seek you with hungry hearts. I ask, Father, that you make us one with you, that we're able to unite with you as we unite as a body, Father. I ask that you come. I ask that you come. Come, Father. Come have your way. Come have your will. Come have this place. Come have our bodies. Come have everything that we are and consume us. Consume us, Father. Let us represent you well. Let us do everything that I see you do. Let us say everything that we see you say. Let us be you, Father. Everything that you are, we ask that you manifest within us and through us, Father. I ask that you reveal to us the deep secrets of our hearts. I say that, Father, that you reveal the purposes for us, Father. That you make us into children, secure children of God. 